Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. I am actually not here to be of service to other people at my own expense. Uh, I am here to service deeply, but not by sacrificing my body or my well-being in the process. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis. And each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back to another episode of True Prescription. I'm laughing because this is my third take. I hope I get it right this time. <laughs> anyway, today I got a chance to talk to Miss Carly Fain, a celebrity health and business coach. Great conversation. Her truth was that she realized how having toxic people in her life was affecting her physically. And so that was a really important thing we got into. We spent the majority of our conversation talking about the importance of creating boundaries for yourself and how important that is. Really the, the crux of the thesis of this talk, which was, which was fantastic. And then we also talked a lot about the importance of self-care and how although people may think it's selfish, it's not. So uh, sit back, relax, take a listen, and I hope you enjoy the episode. It's uh, action-packed, power-packed. Good people, welcome to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. Today, I am interviewing Miss Carly Fain. Hello, Carly. Hello, Dr. Seku. I am so glad <laughs> to be here today. Absolutely. Welcome to the Truth Prescription. So Carly is a celebrity health and business coach. Uh, she's been doing it for 13 years. Had many celebrity clients. She also has everyday clients. She calls them her everyday celebrities, just you know, regular folks that are out here in this world trying to do better for themselves and for their families. Primarily works with women, but also has, you know, some some male clients thrown in there. We can come in and get a little knowledge as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Carly, let's jump right in. For people that are listening for the first time, the premise of this show is essentially that the truth is something that scares us as humans and makes us uncomfortable. And rightly so. But we also know that there is no growth without pain. And often we have to sort of interface with those things that are uncomfortable in order to grow and get better and, and just do, do well and not even do well, but do excellently in life. So, Carly, talk to us about a truth that you either were consciously ignoring or maybe were not aware of in your life that once you accepted it, you had a breakthrough. Oh, gosh. Where to begin with that? It's like, I feel like I've had so many lessons where in hindsight, I think, oh, that was obvious and I just wasn't seeing it uh, um, or didn't want to see it, was purposefully not seeing it. Yeah. So one example will be for me, and this is one way I call them sacred interruptions, right? I get these sacred interruptions where there's something that suddenly I'm, I think I'm minding my own business and then 
boom, something is in the path that I thought I was going to be walking on, kind of blocking the path. And for me, historically, a number of times it was a health issue. I would be in the most doing my thing, thinking everything is great, but my body would be giving me information that that something wasn't right. And I didn't always listen to it because I would think, oh, I'm just tired or, oh, I'm just, you know, I've got a headache or this or that. But I had a proper health scare when I was probably about 23, 24, had the earliest stages of cervical cancer. So cells. And it was this moment where I realized I can't ignore this. This is actually a really big deal. It wasn't like a migraine where I could pop an aspirin or try to take a nap and shake it off. This was a oh, like you need to show up for this right now. And I had a doctor who, (laughs) he leaned on the edge of being really cautious and scared himself. You know, he would, I remember him reading my report and saying, ooh, like he would make these sound effects when my results would come in Mm. that would just like make me scared. And um, I'm sure you as, you know, having been a doctor would would probably not recommend, you know, the doctors when they read your report. (laughs) And that it really got me to sit up straight in in my chair. And so I realized Traditional Western medicine had no form of treatment for me that didn't involve starting to cut parts of my body out. Correct. Right. So the options were just, look, go home, take good care of yourself, whatever that means. We'll see you again in another three to six months for another biopsy. Wow. And that's the plan. And so after, you know, a few rounds of that and it's progressing, I'm getting really scared. Sure. And I thought, okay, I've got to do something because just going home and waiting isn't working. And I'll tell you, I was already doing yoga every day. I was already a vegetarian. I was already eating wow. well and wow. taking care of myself. So I was really perplexed by it. But I started to pay attention to the things in my life that, were, that I was welcoming in, that I was digesting, that weren't food, that were poisoning me. Okay. And I noticed that it was some of my relationships. In All fact, right. it was some of my closest relationships were really toxic. They were really draining. And I had this watershed moment where I realized if I didn't consciously start cutting out the things that were sucking me dry, I might make it through this. And also from a very pragmatic point of view, I thought, if I only have like a couple years left on this planet, who do I not want to spend those couple years with? Like who's not going to get that time? And so yeah. I began to weed through my relationships. And that was a big one for me. And my primary relationship at the time, my partner at the time, was really rather you know, emotionally abusive. I didn't see it as such. Until I had this body to tell me, you can no longer sacrifice yourself anymore. You have to pay attention to what you need. And so in that truth and realizing that I needed to at least put myself a chair at the table, like I needed to at least include my well-being in the conversation and my relationships, yeah. that was huge. That changed everything for me. It's so interesting. There's like several layers to this, but first of all, Instead of doing surgery on your body, you did surgery on your life, right? <laughs> you cut those you cut those yeah. people out, right? Yeah. Secondarily, cancer cells basically feed off your body, similar to the way that these relationships were. And um, you know, it goes back to the second law of um this second spiritual law, which states that as above, so below. So it's a great representation of how what was going on outside of you was correspondingly going on inside of you. And what, and, and I imagine since we're talking that once you remove those people that the cancer started to dissipate. Yeah. And this is what was fascinating because I remember, so this was like, you know, maybe a year or so of continually going back and it seemed to be progressing. It's progressing. It's progressing. It's getting scary. And I did some more, you know, hardcore dietary changes. I cut out all any form of sugar. Like I did some other things. But when I started to change my relationships and started to give my body and my mental game what it needed, 
I began to improve. And I remember going back to the doctor and the doctor saying, well, we don't understand this. Like it's getting better, but we don't know why. Mm. And I would kept saying, I know why it's not magic. Like it did feel like grace. I feel incredibly fortunate that I was able to stick around longer, but I also felt like, oh no, I had to have a lot of hard conversations first with myself and then with other people. And I had to learn how to create boundaries. And I'll tell you now that creating boundaries has been the single most important thing that I think I have done personally in the last 10 years. There's a direct correlation between our ability to create boundaries and our ability to have the life that we really want. I am actually not here to be of service to other people at my own expense. Uh, I am here to service deeply, but not by sacrificing my body or my well-being in the process. Right, right. I'm here for the long haul. There's some sayings, this is not original to me, but there was somebody who said, a young man dies for a cause and a wise man lives for it. And that, when I heard it, resonated with me because I thought, yeah, I believe in this work of being of service to other people. I want to be here for as long as possible. And that's mean I have to like up my boundary game, which made me very uncomfortable at the time. And so it's like, okay, if I have to get better at boundaries in order to stick around, so it shall be. I'm going to have to figure this out. Isn't it interesting that something as simple as setting boundaries is not something that's taught to us in elementary school or college or any, any of these instances. I mean, I've, I've did 155 years of schooling and in none of that time did anyone teach me how to set boundaries. It was through situations like what you're describing, a lot of tripping and falling with life to figure out, Oh, wait a minute. I actually have the right to tell that person. No, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think, my biggest ahas around it was realizing that boundaries are actually not between me and another person. Boundaries are for between me and me. Yeah. I'm responsible for setting them because they work for me. I'm responsible for reinforcing them if people push back. It's actually not about other people so much as it is about me honoring my own truth. What do I know to be true? And to what level will I protect that truth? What level will I stand up for it? Yeah. How do, how do you stand up for yourself? My dear friend, Susie Banks Bombs, she calls our ability to sense truth our holy knowing. And I love that phrase because there is something that feels sacred about our ability to know what, what's true. And I think that the first step in setting boundaries was just for me to begin to get a sense of what felt true or not in my body. Yeah. Our bodies have so much information in them. Terry Tempest Williams says, like, my body is my compass. It does not lie. And when I was ignoring my body, I was missing out on so much valuable information that would have saved me so much time and energy and money. But my mental game was so strong that it would say, well, I know you're not in your stomach every time you talk to this person, but they're nice. So like, what's your problem, Fane? Like, go to their birthday party anyway. What's your issue? (laughs) Like, whatever the thing was. And so the first step in setting boundaries, at least for me, was figuring out what was true based on how it physically felt in my body. Cause yeah. my brain will go round and round. I don't know if your brain's the same way, but like my brain will loop on information forever. It'll say sure. at 3 a.m. Oh, Carly, you got to call Harry back. No, don't call him back. It's 3 a.m. Well, you better do it first thing in the morning. Well, get up now and write him an email. And sure. it's like the loop, right? And, and there's no answer there, but my body can tell me through the way it feels yeah. if something is or not. And if I tap into that, that's the first step in creating boundaries. Cause we can't create a boundary if we don't sense first that we need one. Yeah. Like it seems obvious, right? But, it, but to me, it wasn't anyway, that you can't create a boundary until you, until you learn how to throw the flag on the field and just acknowledge something's off here. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why, and, and I know you're at, you, you meditate. That's why meditation is so important. But I think the reason for that is that the body 
is actually in this moment. It's always in the moment, present. You know, it's always present, second to second. It's always here. Our mind is in the future. It's in the past. It's it's doing all kind of, as you say, acrobats and loops. But if we tap into what's, I mean, our body is like physically here. It's real. It senses everything in the moment, and I think that's an important point that that you make. And I've I've recently done a bunch of um, meditations on Insight Timer app, and that's part of the point of it is that we have to f- be able to feel again because the truth you know, as the show is called, the truth is really in the present moment. It's in our bodies. You know, that's a, that's an excellent point. I actually wanted to ask you about when you're dealing with clients, do you find that setting boundaries is a problem for them? And if not, what is one thing you think is a, a universal issue you see with most of the people you deal with that blocks them from success? Ooh, great question. And I, and I just love the way you described body in the present moment too. Didn't want to blow past that because that's it to me. You said beautifully. It's the body is here in the present moment. Absolutely. Boundaries are a really big deal. So here's how it actually shows up though. More people are reaching out because they're hearing me talk about boundaries and they're saying, oh yeah, I want more boundaries. But the reason most people reach out to me is because they're crunched for time. So the, the number one way that the lack of boundaries starts showing up for most people is the sense of never having enough time or just never having enough. They could have tons of money in the bank account and they still feel this sense of scarcity Hmm. or they could like the a master at scheduling out their, their, you know, their minute to minute throughout their day. It's color coded and their beautiful binder, (laughs) but they still feel like there's never enough time or there's not enough moments with their kids or whatever it is. So it's the sense of never enough that shows up. That's one of the first indicators that this might be like time for us to talk a little bit about boundaries. But I could give you a couple other ones if that would be helpful, like ways that this shows up that are interesting. One is this tired but wired phenomenon that a lot of driven people get where by the end of the day, you're exhausted or maybe even midday, you're exhausted. And yet the moment you do get to sit on the sofa or catch your breath or you're on the subway or whatever it is, you've got your moment to be still. Your mind is going a million miles a minute. So it's perplexing because you're exhausted. And yet when you do get the moment to rest, you're, you're wired, right? The other one we see a lot for really good people is they start snapping. They're snapping at their loved ones, their coworkers, their friends, and they feel terrible about it, Dr. Sago, because they they feel, because they're good people and that's yeah. not who they are. And yeah. so they feel terrible. They don't want to be snapping. And then the last one I'll share is just what in my practice, we've been calling it popular isolation, which is this really interesting phenomenon for driven people where You've got good friends or family or coworkers. So you're around people that you like, they like you. However, you still feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and nobody really understands everything you have to go through to get through the day. Mm. And we call it popular isolation because you're not technically alone and yet you feel isolated. So it's the snapping, it's the tired but wired, it's the popular isolation, and it is definitely perplexing health symptoms. Those are the reasons people come to me and then almost always we realize very quickly, oh, time for you to make be making some boundaries here. Your energy is going in all these different directions that aren't actually of service to you. What do you value? What is true for you? And how can we draw a circle around that so that there's time for that every day for you? You know, in line with that, you're a really big proponent of self-care, which took me deep into my 30s to figure out and maybe closer to the late 30s to actually accept. Talk to a listener or listeners right now who maybe maybe don't know what it is and feel guilty about it. Cause that was my main problem. I felt like I got to take care of everybody else and I don't really need to worry about myself. Cause my job here is to take care of everybody else. 
I figured that out that was that was a, a, a lie. But <laughs> um, <laughs> if there's somebody listening who wants to start or they have some curiosity, how would you recommend that they enter this phase of, of self-care to, to start? Because creating what we're talking about is really creating boundaries. That's part of self-care, uh, you know, honestly. It's not just getting a massage or, or, you know, getting your nails done. It's all these things that I, I talk to people sometimes, my own um, uh, clients, that you have to make the decision that's going to be in the best, that not necessarily going to be the best for you, but that's going to be the most healing for you, the most loving for you. That's the decision that you, that you should make in, in this particular situation. And sometimes that means saying no to somebody, right? That's also self-care. So talk a little bit about your, your self-care approach and helping folks start. Oh, I love, I love this because you're touching on an element of community care too, by having this conversation. But in terms of self-care, here's the foundational, I'm a visual person, so I'll give you a visual. The foundational understanding that people who are able to do self-care understand. And to your point about boundaries, we were not taught this. So I, I also want to float that out there, that if you're having like the tired but wired, you know you need better boundaries, you know, you know you're snapping and you feel terrible about it. These are not your fault. We weren't taught this. So first step is we give ourselves some grace. Like this isn't an opportunity for judgment. The foundational awareness about self-care is if you could imagine like a, let's say you came over to my house and I was fancier than I am, um, Dr. Seiko and I, fancy China, you know, with like teacups and, and little saucers, right? And I was pouring you a hot cup of tea on a cold day. Right. Damn, I'm filling up your, your, your nice mug here, your beautiful, you know, China mug. And the tea fills up to the point where it begins to overflow into the saucer. Mm. Those of us who practice self-care, we know that what we share with others is the tea that has spilled over and filled the saucer. Right. And what is in the cup is only ever for you, my dear. There's a term from the field of positive psychology that I really like. So if we think about like self being one end of the spectrum, we're not trying to be selfish. Nobody listening to the truth prescription is trying to be selfish. That's no. not your. And then we got the other side of the spectrum, which is being selfless, where we give it all away. And I'm going to be really candid with you. I find selfless people, it's exhausting to be around the selfish people because they're always spent, right? Like they're always operating from an empty cup. They're not getting what they need. And you can feel that energetically, even if they're doing great work in the world. We can feel that. But in the middle, between being selfish and selfless, it's this opportunity to be what the field of positive psychology calls selfful. Mm. Selfful person is somebody who understands that the way to be of the most service in the world is to operate from a full cup. And so taking care of ourselves is not nice and it's not some treat we do. It is something we build into every single day, even if it's for 30 seconds, because yeah. that's how we stay in the game for the long time. And if you don't, some of the ways we end up are like how I was. I was sick because I wasn't giving my body what it needed. Right. So we start small. We start gentle with just considering our own respect as some part of the day. And I, and I mean that very literally in scheduling it. So yeah. it's nice about self-care, but it only makes a difference if we actually do it. So we start with something small. <laughs> it was a deep <laughs> He calls it PMS. because we know. So we know the value of linking a new habit to an existing habit that yes. we're more likely to follow through, right? Yes. He says, if you wake up in the morning and you normally pee and then you shower, the in-between spot is where you meditate for five minutes. That you're, that's your PMS is yeah. his example. Yeah. And I love, for a lot of my clients, we start with, hey, while your coffee's brewing in the morning, that's when you take three deep breaths. Or that's when you go for a walk around your apartment or your house. Right. Like you're just that simple moment where we dare to give ourselves a seat at the table of life. Yeah, no, that's great. 
giving ourselves a table at the seat of life. That's like a yeah. book and a film and a play and it's a whole bunch of stuff. That's like fantastic. It's so interesting, this school that we live in called called life, called the earth. You know, there's so there's 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 so much for us to do. And not do, right? There's so much for us to do and there's so much for us to stop doing. Yeah. What I'm really appreciating about your your podcast is you're you're bringing forward this element of community care because here's one thing I noticed for people who already have a really full plate, the driven folks that I work with who've got kids or they've got you know a life or a career, they've got enough going on, and then someone tells them to do self care, and those are fighting words. Like someone tells <laughs> self care, you're like packed to the max. It's like, are you freaking kidding me? Of course I want to be doing self care, but when yeah. am I supposed to get that right? And so I think it's time as we enter this new paradigm, you know, with 2020, all these changes that are happening, this awareness of we need community care too, that we can't victim shame the person who has been taught that they need to put their needs last when they don't have the time then to get to self-care. We as a community have to have these conversations that you're having where we talk about how do we make this doable? How do we respect ourselves enough to show up for one minute and then two minutes and then three minutes for ourselves? Um, and so I have such deep appreciation for for the work you're doing, because I think you're bringing the community element to the, the self-care model. And that's what it needs. Thank you. Yeah. Just from my own life, I, I found it so interesting and rewarding where you know, when I when I first initially got married and for the second time in my late 30s and I was learning all this stuff and, and implement and starting to implement it. And I noticed that my my wife, she she was on the other end of the spectrum where she was like, like I had kind of come out of, I got to do everything for everybody else, but she was kind of still in it. And she would see me and get a little resentful at times, maybe make a little comments here and there. And now we fast forward almost six years. I mean, she is like so fantastic at taking care of herself, at working out when she needs to, you know, changing her diet to eat the right things, to scheduling time with her friends. And it it, it warms my heart. But I know to your point that, it started with, you know, not to give myself all this credit, but she saw me as an example. And I think if people learn to, to take care of themselves, they become an example in their family, then in their community that, hey, this is actually OK. You can function. You can have a life and a job and kids and the whole thing and still take care of yourself. And because that's your responsibility, you're responsible for taking care of yourself. That's the other big myth that we didn't touch on. But it, I know you see this with your clients that people feel like somebody else or the other person or the TV or this, this alcohol is supposed to take care of me. No, you're supposed to take care of you. <laughs> right. right. And, you're, and what you're talking to is so powerful here because like you said, we weren't taught this in school. We weren't taught this growing up, most no, of us. No. And so what happens is when we honor what we need personally, it opens up the possibility for other people to do the same because yes. it hasn't occurred to a lot of us that, oh, I could take care of myself. It's okay to say no. Like I've never <laughs> seen that function. So how do you this, right? right? And so we, Remember that it's like the least selfish thing we can do to take care of ourselves because we're modeling for other people more possibility yeah. for themselves as well. And so you did that beautifully in your relationship. And yeah. and I think about like self-care or setting boundaries. It's like learning a new language. Want to be around other native speakers of the language or else we forget the words. Yeah. Like I used to live in Israel. When I was there, I could speak just enough Hebrew oh. to get by. Okay? <laughs> Tell you like virtually My nothing, lishma. right? But so it's like, but so then we have to have this, we have to be around other native speakers, yeah. whether, and even if that's listening to a podcast, even if that's reading a book by somebody who's speaking your language around boundaries or self-care, but we have to put ourselves smack dab 
in the presence of those who are embodying where we want to go, if we want to be able to speak that language. We can't expect ourselves to operate in a vacuum and learn a little bit about boundaries and then not being around anybody else who makes good boundaries and think that we're going to live into that. That's unrealistic. Tell the people how they can create more boundaries by going to the Reclaiming Time studio, how they can, you know, learn from you and from the folks that come, how to reclaim reclaim their time. Tell the listeners what that's all about and when it's happening. Oh, thank you for that. Um, So the Reclaiming Time studio has been this program I've been running for four years and it's been this evolving group coaching practice. Talk about like, I swear we didn't we didn't plan this in advance, but this is like the perfect segue into community care. So what happens is I work with all these people one-on-one as a coach, and I get this tremendous gift of hearing the insights into their world and what's going on behind the scenes. And I realize in talking with a lot of driven people, they're having similar fears. They're having similar worries, similar concerns, but they think they're the only one because in their circle, and for those of you who are listening where this resonates, they are the go-to person for everyone. So they have a place where they can drop their guard and process and talk about what they want to improve. And so we created this group. We call it the the Reclaiming Time Studio because that's what it is for. This is where driven women who are, they either run their own businesses or they have a career they really care about. We gather together for six months virtually. So this has been a remote thing for years. And we help them reclaim their time. They up their boundaries. They learn how to make more money by doing less. They learn how to discover and share their authentic voice so that they become embodied leaders, embodied teachers, and stop having to fix everything for everybody. <laughs> that's, uh, the, that's the feminine curse. That's it, right? Look <laughs> like in that model. And we're creating something that works a lot better in our modern economy because this whole burning ourselves into the ground thing does not apply in our modern economy. It worked for a long time for a lot of rich people who wanted to employ people um, at low cost of labor. And this is no longer sustainable and that we know. And so I love being in a space with women who are upgrading their businesses by upgrading their personal nourishment. And that's, that's a powerful. So if anyone's interested, go to carlyfane.com. We're going to open the doors. Our, our last class of the year will start in September. Thank you. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful thing that you're doing for the community. It's definitely needed. I know a lot of women who could definitely benefit from that. So if you're listening and you feel like you need to step up, up your game, reclaim your time, set more boundaries, Definitely reach out to Carly and, and see how she can provide some value for you. Two to mention on, on our website that we have a free boundaries like a boss class. It's totally free. There's nothing for sale. So if you're thinking, ooh, I'm ready for more boundaries, definitely go to the website. Even if you don't take a paid program with me, go do that. Begin there. Begin reclaiming your time on your own. And then we can always talk more down the road. But that exists as well. That's like the primer. And then you guys, yeah. if you, when you talk with them, then you can get a little more granular. Perfect. Yep. All right, Carly. Well, thank you so much. We packed a lot into a short amount of time, but I think I want to keep it there because I think this conversation about boundaries is important. I want to keep it nice and tight and potent. So let's we're going to end it here. But thank you for coming on. I really, I really do appreciate you and the work that you're doing. I will uh, sign off as I always do. The truth will set you free if you let it.